KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, December 31st. Governor Newsom reveals a plan to reopen California schools. That story next. But first, let's do the headlines. A San Diego man in his 30s with no travel history is the first Californian to be confirmed with the new strain of coronavirus that was first identified in the United Kingdom. He has not been hospitalized. The variant appears to be more contagious, but there is no evidence it causes more severe illness. Researchers at Scripps say more data is needed from the UK to determine how vaccines will hold up against it. In the meantime, officials say you should stay home, wear masks, wash your hands, and stay socially distanced, including on New Year's Eve. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria says he's asked the San Diego Police Department and city attorney to pursue enforcement actions against, quote, public nuisances who choose to defy public health orders. Mayor Gloria made the announcement last night, saying the order would go into effect at midnight. He did not name any particular businesses or individuals. The San Diego City Council on Wednesday unanimously approved a five-month extension to the city's franchise agreement with San Diego Gas and Electric, just weeks before the current 50-year contract is set to expire. Dozens of people voiced their opposition to the deal during the meeting, saying the city needs a full year for negotiations. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Governor Gavin Newsom announced a new $2 billion plan to get elementary schools reopened early next year. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong has more on the announcement made Wednesday. Under the governor's plan, school districts that can safely reopen elementary schools by mid-February could receive an additional $450 to $750 per student. Here's the plan. Phased in, in in-person learning strategy that would focus disproportionately on those youngest cohorts and those that are most in need. But there is a big caveat. Only districts with a seven-day average of less than 28 cases per 100,000 residents would be allowed to reopen. As of Tuesday, San Diego County's case rate per 100,000 residents was 38. Newsom also said districts with higher percentages of foster children, students with disabilities, and students experiencing homelessness would qualify for more funding to reopen. 
and the state would provide regular asymptomatic testing and safety equipment for districts and counties that are in the red or purple tier of COVID-19 spread. Safety and mitigation measures clearly, we believe, can prevent transmissions in the school setting. Transmissions among and from younger students, students to students, is simply not common. One local school official applauded the announcement and says he's especially reassured by the governor's emphasis on testing and the urgent need to vaccinate educators. He is prioritizing uh, educators, you know, as being at the front of the line for receiving the, the vaccine. Richard Brer is the school board vice president at the San Diego Unified School District. So if we can get to a point that we can get the educators who are going to be working with kids vaccinated and we're doing the kind of regular testing so that we know who has the virus and who doesn't, that's certainly, you know, those are the two big steps, you know, that uh, would, would allow schools to open and stay open safely. The state legislature must vote to approve the additional funding before Newsom's plan takes effect. Joe Hong, KPBS News. More than nine months into the pandemic, home prices in San Diego continue to rise. KPBS reporter John Carroll explains why that's good news for some and terrible news for others. The latest S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Index shows home prices across the county are up by 11.6 percent, the highest in more than six years and the third fastest increase in the nation. USD professor Norm Miller is an expert in real estate. He says the current market is great for both buyers and sellers because of a lack of supply and very low interest rates. But for frontline workers and others struggling during this pandemic, Miller says the first quarter of next year is likely to be very difficult with help from the government coming too late for many. I think we're going to have uh, the bottom, say, 20 percent of the housing tier on price see a, a, a fair amount of distress, probably triple what we have right now in terms of foreclosure sales. When it comes to real estate, Miller calls it a tale of two cities. John Carroll, KPBS News. Nearly 30 horses died at Los Alamitos Racecourse in Orange County this year. Cap Radio's Scott Rod reports that the owner is now facing sanctions from the state, and he's threatening to shut down the track. Horse racing fatalities in California garnered national attention last year when Santa Anita Park near Los Angeles recorded about 50 deaths in a 12-month stretch. The safety record at Los Alamitos this year made fewer headlines, but the state horse racing board has been paying attention. It gave the track only a six-month license into the new year, which could be extended if its safety record improves. That didn't sit well with track owner Dr. Ed Allred, who chimed in before the board's vote. This is not acceptable. We understand that at any time, if we did something grossly wrong, we review our dates at any time. But this, this condition will not work. Forget it. I can't do it. After an initial split vote, the board approved the proposal. The track ran races this past weekend under the new license. In Sacramento, I'm Scott Rod. Thanks to some big trade deals they made this week, the Padres are projected to be one of the top teams in Major League Baseball next year. KPBS reporter Jacob Barrett says the team and local businesses are hoping Petco Park will be filled at some point next summer. In 2020, the San Diego Padres reached the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. This week, the team further improved their roster by agreeing to trades for all-star pitchers Blake Snell and Yu Darvish and infielder Ha-Song Kim. 
Padres radio play-by-play broadcaster Jesse Agler says the Friars should expect a packed house when Peco Park can fully reopen. I think everyone is optimistic that at some point this year, you'll be able to have fans back in the ballparks all across the country. How many fans at what percentage capacity, obviously, is something we'll have to wait and see. While the Los Angeles Dodgers are still the team to beat, the Padres seem to have narrowed the gap significantly. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. And coming up on the podcast, why you should really, really, really seriously stay home for New Year's Eve. That story next, just after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The stay-at-home orders for Southern California will be in effect through the New Year's, and we may need some extra vigilance if New Year's Eve brings the typical parties and celebrations that it does. The fear is that New Year's Eve get-togethers may produce the surge over the surge over the surge, as described by Governor Gavin Newsom, and it'll swamp California hospitals that are already overwhelmed and over capacity. Dr. Rebecca Fieldy Miller is an assistant professor at at the Herbert Wertheim School of Public Health at UC San Diego and the Division of Infectious Disease and Global Public Health. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh about why you should be extra careful this weekend. Now, New Year's Eve parties are described in a CNN article today as a COVID-19 dream. Why would that be the case? You know, there's a lot of things that are going on for New Year's. Um, For one thing, they're in this perfect window to sort of reinfect a whole new cadre of people after those who were potentially infected from Christmas. Um, We also want to hug and kiss people on New Year's. We want to drink um, and eat and we'll be taking our masks down to drink and even if we're being very careful alcohol can make us a little bit less careful than we might mean to. So it's a confluence of a lot of things that make it a, a very dangerous evening. Can you explain what the governor meant when he said we're in danger of seeing a surge over a surge over a surge? Yeah, so a lot of us who have been thinking about COVID for a while, which is (laughs) like 11 months at this point, have been really worried about what the holiday season is going to look like. And that's why you've heard a lot of us kind of waving our arms around about where the base numbers were from the summer. So what's happened is people have gone and even if they were careful, um, they have celebrated Thanksgiving with family. So they've been in close quarters with no masks, with family and loved ones. And that has brought our numbers up quite high as we've seen. And then a lot of folks went and did the same thing for um, the Christmas holiday. And again, there's a lot of eating, being in close quarters, hugging, being with people we love, those really natural behaviors. And so we haven't even really begun to see the effects of Christmas yet. Um, People who were infected are probably just starting to feel crummy and test positive. And so what is very likely to happen is people who were 
um, celebrating on Christmas are now going to go be asymptomatic, celebrate with potentially different people than they were with at Christmas, and infect a whole new um, group of people. So you have sort of an infection seeding over the Christmas holidays and then going out into a whole bunch of new clusters of people for New Year's. What if you go and get a COVID uh, test and it comes out negative? Are you okay then to go to some sort of party? That would be great, but unfortunately not. So COVID tests are most accurate between five and eight days after you are exposed or infected. So even if you go, you get the fastest test possible, um, you get a test like five minutes before that New Year's party, you haven't seen anybody since Christmas, you could still be infected and get a negative test. The window is just too short for accurate testing. There's literally no way to know. Um, so there's no way to, to test your way to a safe New Year's. And if this feared surge does happen, if California hospitals become overwhelmed by an influx of COVID patients in January, how do you think that will affect the death rate from the disease? I mean, this is the thing that we've been trying to avoid um, this whole time when we've been saying flatten the curve. It was never about we're going to eradicate COVID. It was about we're going to have a functioning health system. And that's the thing that we are losing right now. And so our healthcare providers, nurses, doctors, support staff have been working so hard for so long. And when you overwhelm hospitals, when you overwhelm ICUs, it's not just about equipment, it's about staff. And so when you are calling up um, people who maybe don't have ICU experience, they're experts in other things, but they're doing their best to pitch in, you are not getting the care of a well-rested expert who has time to look and think and um, perform at their absolute peak. You have an exhausted, overstretched person and you have too few of them. So you have this overstretching of staff, you have this lack of um, stuff um, you have a lack of ventilators, you have a lack of beds, and you just have a lack of space. And my biggest concern is that we're going to get to a place where we start actually having to think about triaging and rationing care, which is never a thing um, that we really have to think about in the U.S. if we are wealthy and have health insurance. Um, and so there's going to be a moment potentially when doctors and nurses and providers have to start thinking about who do I treat first? Uh, the elderly grandmother who just wanted to see her kids for Thanksgiving or the 25-year-old teacher who just wanted to see their friends for New Year's? And that is the bad thing to have to be thinking about, but it, it could come. So what you're saying, and other health uh, experts are saying as well, is that typical New Year's Eve parties could, could become super spreader events. But is there any way for people to celebrate? If, for instance, is it safe for people to, people to celebrate outdoors? It is safer to celebrate outdoors, certainly. Um, you can think about a risk spectrum, right? If you absolutely must be with friends or family, and I would genuinely beg you not to, but if you absolutely must, please go outside. Please wear a mask. Please be at least six feet apart from one another at all times. But just remember that that's really hard to maintain. We're, we're human, we're people. It's hard to stay six feet apart the whole time. Again, especially if champagne is involved or anything else. Um, but outside is safer, masked is safer, fewer people is safer. 
So are there alternatives uh, for folks besides staying home and watching Anderson Cooper drink champagne at midnight? <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. There's the, the Zoom classic at this point. If you are sick of a screen, um, maybe think of a way that you can see this year out on your own that feels cathartic. Maybe write down all the things that you hate about 2020, set them on fire and put them in the sink. <laughs> maybe that's what I'll be doing. Um, I was going to ask uh, you. I was going to ask you, how will you be celebrating this year? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I might be setting something on fire and, and putting it in the sink very safely um, with my husband. I, I will be celebrating at home. Um, we might have a glass of champagne or something else to ring out the new year and, and hope for a good um, 2021. That was Dr. Rebecca Fielding Miller, assistant professor at the Herbert Wertheim School of Public Health at UC San Diego and the Division of Infectious Disease and Global Public Health. You heard her speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Climate change continues to be top of mind for many people in 2020. And while San Diego scrapped and started again on a climate action plan, the city of Stockton has made some headway on tackling climate change. Cap Radio's Ezra David Romero has more about a new city initiative meant to help the most vulnerable San Joaquin residents adapt. A few blocks away from downtown Stockton, there's an urban forest of about 40 trees. Sammy Nunez's nonprofit, Fathers and Families of San Joaquin, planted it. He says an investment in the environment is an investment in people. The way we treat the land and disregard for the land is the way we treat families and children here in this community. And because of it, the land is hardened, the people are hardened. Nunez says urban forests like this will be a big part of an $11 million state grant that Stockton received to combat climate change. He was part of a community process that helped map out the new initiative. He says this particular green space was created to remember victims of gun violence. Now it serves two purposes, cooling this neighborhood's heat island and paying homage to fallen family members. This is about creating a, an opportunity for folks to heal and connect to the natural world and understand the value in the, of these trees. The hope is that there will be many more green spaces like this under the new Stockton Climate Initiative. The money will be used to make the city more walkable, less reliant on fossil fuels, and create more green space in vulnerable neighborhoods. Nunes wants the initiative to have long-term impacts. We know that the design of a community in and of itself can actually be a deterrent to crime and violence. We know that the more trees you have, the less crime you have in the neighborhood. We know that. Nunes walked me through downtown to show me how the grant may transform the cityscape. So this is census tract 4.02 and 1. The paved streets here may soon have bike lanes and tree-lined sidewalks. The grant will also help create more green jobs and increase household solar energy. Schools will have urban farming classes. Climate change, the social political climate has collided to create the perfect opportunity for us to really reimagine what it means to be a person of color in Stockton nowadays. Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs says the purpose of the grant is to ensure that all city residents benefit from the climate work. Even though his term ends in January, he wants to see the city become an oasis while it's climbing out of bankruptcy and still grappling with gun violence. I want Stockton to be the community that shows 
knows what a Green New Deal looks like in terms of tangible benefits. Stockton-based environmental advocate Barbara Barragon-Priya says planting trees in parts of the city where there are few will tangibly change residents' lives during heat waves. It's already 10, 12 degrees warmer in South Stockton every year than in North Stockton. However, she says the grant is just the beginning and doesn't address all the threats of climate change here. Algae in the Delta can harm humans and animals. Sea level rise would threaten community members who live behind levees. Back in the Healing Garden, a block away from the freeway, the sound of cars and big rigs pervade the air. I'm wrapping up the interview with Nunes, not because there's nothing left to talk about. It's just so hot. But before we go, Nunes has one more thing to say. We represent every single demographic and market in the world here. If it works here, it could work anywhere. That's the good news. The bad news is the opposite. If it doesn't work here, it's not going to work anywhere. Nunes could have left Stockton for a city with fewer problems, but he loves this place. When he looks at Stockton, he sees all the bad. But then what comes into view is hope. In Stockton, I'm Ezra David Romero. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. We'll be off tomorrow for the holiday, but we'll be back on Monday bright and early. Thanks for listening and have a safe and socially distanced New Year's Eve. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.